Welcome to A Better Way podcast, dedicated to mompreneurs who want to do good and feel good at work, at home, and in life. We're your hosts, Courtney and Danielle, and we get the challenges you're facing because we're living them too. We'll share tangible tips we've learned along the way to help make your life a little easier and we hope a lot more fun. We'll also chat with other moms who are making it happen so we can learn from one another because together we can find a better way. Welcome back, moms. We have a special guest today, Lisa Banks from RBLB Marketing. Uh, She has a background in marketing on the client side uh, and now runs her own um, marketing agency with her husband. So we'll definitely talk about that piece (laughs) of it um, and how that works, but just excited to welcome you, Lisa, and uh, learn from you today. Yeah, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, so I alluded to it, but tell us a little bit about your background, sort of where you went from college and where you are today. Sure. I was a serial marketer. So I graduated with mark um, in marketing and then I went and I was doing brand and product management for a beef jerky company of all things and then transitioned into tech. So I worked at T-Mobile for many years. Um, eventually I was there head of accessories. So I was kind of managing a whole division there, um, which was really fun and also very challenging. It was just a lot of moving pieces. And um, then I took a couple years off and just was like, I need a break because it was super intense. And I moved to San Francisco to be with my husband, kind of upended everything, but it gave me that like, oh, I can walk away from things and it's going to be okay. And then I, and then I went back and I worked for Motorola, um, doing North America channel marketing. So that was really fun too. But after that I got laid off and that gave me some runway to think about everything. Um, childcare in San Francisco was as much as our mortgage. So the Mm -hmm. idea of staying home was appealing. And that's kind of when I made the transition to leaving the corporate world, which is really my entire, it was my entire identity. So it was definitely a big change. Um, and then since then, I've just been kind of figuring out my own way, how to make things work without a corporate job. I love that. I can resonate with that story so much. And I can't wait to dive into kind of the peaks and valleys within each of that. Cause it seems like each step you took probably pushed you a little bit closer to where you are today. So, um, would love to just know a little bit more about how you kind of got into what you're doing right now. Um, cause you really started to kind of pave the own, your own way with your husband and creating an agency, which cannot be a small feat having worked at one in the past and now doing consulting. Um, I can imagine it's been a pretty intense, but, um, enjoyable ride. So can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, it's been really fun. So it's funny. We kind of have three different companies that we work with. So We have RBLB is the one um, that Danielle mentioned, and that's an agency that we created that we work locally on small clients. Um, That has resonated really well with our community because I think accessible marketing is something that's difficult, especially for small businesses Mm -hmm. to get. I mean, you know what the agency prices are. Um, It's unattainable for a lot of small businesses. So having a more accessible marketing option has definitely been 
um, something that has resonated and therefore we picked up a lot of business really quickly. We we're fortunate in that capacity. And then my husband has a larger consulting agency where he works with kind of global brands. So that's totally separate than RBLB. And then I have another called Pajama Marketer where I'm helping moms similar to kind of what you guys are doing. Um, I don't have a podcast, of course, but I help moms with who are in the transition or, or want skills to be able to work from home or just, I'm still massaging how it all comes together, but I, um, I help educate and, um, just help moms that want to move through the transition from corporate to, um, working for themselves. Awesome. And I know that I know from following Pajama Marketer, which is what I call you, by the way, um, when Courtney and I were talking about interviewing you, I was like, yeah, and we're interviewing Pajama Marketer on Wednesday. So, um, so I love that name and, uh, and we can talk a little about, about that, but, um, but I know from following you that you specialize in Pinterest. So talk to us a little bit about that. And specifically, because this is interesting for me selfishly, but like why Pinterest and why is it important for marketers? Right. So I love Pinterest and I'm not somebody that just jumped on the Pinterest bandwagon. I have been doing Pinterest. That was kind of where I started out of when I started working for myself. Um, partially out of um, selfishness. I just love the platform for many, many reasons. But as I started using it, and I was, I honestly didn't have a lot of strategy at that point. I was just kind of testing and feeling, and um, I have a lot of marketing experience. So I was like, this is so underutilized. That was the first thing I saw all this white space here. Um, not only that, but for the demographic of who I was talking to, um, and just moms, there's so many moms on that platform. It's not all women. There's a mix of all kinds of people. Um, but it does have a heavy skew towards moms and females. So it's like, this is my target market is all, a lot of them are here. Um, and then there were so many things about Pinterest. I loved, I love the evergreen nature of it. You can make a pin and it lives. Like I still have pins that are getting repins and traffic from three years ago. So I love that. If you do a good job on that platform, it will pay you in dividends over time, which I love with Instagram. You might get people scrolling through, but it's a more, you have to kind of keep up with it, keep up with it. And while Pinterest, you do need to be consistent. It can pay off long-term. So there's a great evergreen component, which I love. Um, and then the other thing I like about Pinterest is people are there for action. So it's a completely different platform than anything else. People who are on Pinterest are likely looking for something very specific. Um, so it's a great way to reach people, especially if you're non-branded, because it doesn't matter if you're some huge brand or, um, or you're me and nobody knows who you are uh, it, because you're served by the keywords. So if you're relevant to them, regardless of brand, people are gonna find you. And I love that. And they're much more likely, they're three times more likely to click a link on Pinterest and go learn more than they are if they're served an ad through another platform. So it's just, I think overall, such a winning platform. I love it. I love that. Can I ask you a quick question? Because Pinterest is actually something that I think is so underutilized by small businesses. And I will say this firsthand. I use Pinterest all the time. I mean, I used it for wedding planning. I used it for when we first bought our house and I was decorating. I use it for meal planning. I used it for workouts, for baby stuff. It's kind of my go-to. It replaces Google in a lot of uh, um, instances for me. 
And so when I'm working with some of my clients who are targeting moms or um, female audiences, I oftentimes bring up Pinterest and they say, no, 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 no. And they kind of disregard it. And I think that there is, people have this like misconception about people's actions on it. And I always kind of recommend to them, well, go back to how you find stuff. You tell me you use Pinterest, your audience is using it too. Are there certain brands um, or types of businesses, for example, service-based businesses versus physical product businesses that you think benefit the most from Pinterest? And I ask selfishly because I have these conversations with my clients a lot and they oftentimes think that they can't make it, but I see both types of businesses being successful on Pinterest because I'm using it every day and finding new businesses. So would love your perspective on that. Absolutely. I mean, I think honestly that almost every type of business could benefit from Pinterest. Um, they have enhanced a lot of the platforms to where, especially if you're selling physical product and especially if you're selling a, let's say you're more boutique, um, smaller, even have an Etsy shop for an example, you can have a rich pin where someone can click and shop right in Pinterest. And like I said earlier, people are way more likely because they're going and they're interested and they're looking for something. Mm -hmm. A lot of those purchasing decisions are getting made on Pinterest. That doesn't mean they buy there, but they're making their purchase decision. So that is just, I think, speaks to what power it has. If you can have your product on there, you want to be part of that conversation. If you're out looking for leggings, you want to be one of those options there. Like you're kind mm -hmm. of missing out. Um, and it doesn't take that much. So one of, or my core thing that I do right now is teach Pinterest for business, because I think it's so underutilized and it's not that difficult, um, to use it, especially you can even use it just to, um, amplify your, what you're doing in other social media. Maybe you have a really strong Instagram presence, but you can use Pinterest to, um, amplify what you're doing on Instagram and drive more eyeballs, even to your Instagram, if you want nothing to do with Pinterest. Um, and there's just some very small tweaks that people can make within their Pinterest profile. I think a lot of people use it personally, but don't know how to use it for business and using it for business is completely different than how we use it personally. Um, so that's what I teach the difference in how to do that effectively. Um, and spend less time on the platform. I mean, obviously it takes time. Sometimes you'll see people say, uh, draft six months of content for Pinterest in an hour. And I'm like, that is such BS. Like, you can't do that. So if someone's promising you the world and that you only have to spend an hour on Pinterest every six months, that's not true. But you can definitely learn systems to maximize your time, um, just like agencies do, right? There's mm -hmm. systems and processes and scheduling and batching. There's templates, so many things you can do to make it really efficient. Because I think people get overwhelmed. They're like, I don't want to add another platform to my mix. I already have all this stuff to do. So there's ways to add it in that's minimal. I mean, none of us are like, yeah, I have so much extra time. I just want to add another <laughs> platform to my mix. I mean, that's just not going to happen. No, no. And so I have a question and I realize we're going down this Pinterest rabbit hole, but I think that's okay. That's okay. I love it. <laughs> um, is Pinterest like, so people will say it's a visual search engine. That's what I hear a lot when people talk about Pinterest. So is it similar to Google in the sense that like, yeah, you can write a blog post that's relevant to your audience and has good keywords and where you've done the research and been et cetera, et cetera. But that doesn't mean you're going to show up on page one of Google because what you need to do is build like authority over time. And so is Pinterest similar to that or can you get quick wins with Pinterest? 
that's the beautiful thing. You can get quick wins. So especially if you're using really hyper relevant long tail keywords, they're not just showing the biggest brands. That's why you can, as even as the most niche brand, if you are really hitting and serving people what they are looking for, they're going to serve it to them. Um, and there's a lot of different ways to be discovered on Pinterest, which means versus Google search where you're just absolutely like, I mean, I can't compete with, let's say I'm selling shoes and Nike's on there. I'm like, I'm never going to rank above Nike. It's just not going to happen. But on Pinterest, if somebody's looking for, let's say, trail running shoes for people um, with pronation, some, I'm getting super specific, but if you can be right. really smart about what your audience is looking for, you can be served to those people. And so that's, what's so beautiful. And Pinterest also really pushes a positive um, consumer experience. And so they're going to look at the whole, um, what are you driving people to quality places? So if your whole ecosystem is good and positive and you're delivering quality content for people, you're going to get a lot of views and the audience ultimately decides, right? So let's say I have this really weird, not beautiful pin that was about a Trader Joe's three ingredient recipe, and it got repinned thousands and thousands and thousands of times. So in a way it's kind of a litmus test for how good is your pin is the people decide. Google doesn't decide on the search ranking. I mean, Google, that, that's totally complicated. I won't get into it. Um, but I mean, that's a combo of people and right, yeah, anyway. Um, but Pinterest, like let's all these people are like, oh, this resonates with me. I'm going to repin it. And you get, you get benefit for that. So the better content you put out, that's more value. Um, you can do really, really well, regardless of your brand size, your money. This I'm talking like strictly organic. Obviously you can run ads on Pinterest, but you can get a ton um, through just organic. I love that. I love that. The people decide that's good. yeah. <laughs> the power of the moms. That's what I like. <laughs> yes. So true. So one question is, you know, I love that you've, you're actually a really good example. I feel like of someone who has taken the experience they had and the passion in a certain area, but then been able to kind of like niche down to a really specific audience with your focus on Pinterest. But can you talk to us a little bit about kind of how you got to that point today and how you've built this focus and also your capabilities? And I ask that question because I think when moms are starting out, um, really anyone for that matter, but I know based on my personal experience and in chatting with Danielle and other moms who are transitioning into something on their own, they have this skill set, but oftentimes, cause you're so close to it, you don't realize that other people need your help or that other people don't know what you know. And I know that that sounds cliche. A lot of people talk about it yet. That's a mental block. People come up against time and time again. And I love that you've been able to kind of leverage your past career life in what you're doing now. And can you talk a little bit about that journey and how you've really honed that specialty? Yeah, absolutely. So that resonates so strongly. And it's funny because I, even if I sound like, oh, I'm, I'm niche down now, but I mean, I've been doing this for three, four years. And when I started, I was like a lost puppy. And it was funny because even though I had all of this marketing professional experience, I had massive, um, mindset and insecurity issues. I came in like, why would anybody buy from me? Um, I felt like a failure. I was totally lost. And I, I didn't have a, I needed a compass, I guess this would be because I always worked in the corporate world. So I was like, 
I, and you guys know how that is, is like, okay, that I have these strategies. I have this, 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 all these things to do. And all of a sudden it was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. It's not like I wasn't a hard worker or didn't know how to work or didn't know, but I didn't have a compass anymore. I was like, whoa. Um, and it's really easy when you're walking into entrepreneurship being like, oh my gosh, you look at people who are way ahead of you. And you're like, wow, okay. They have this, they have an email list. They have a beautiful website. They have all these fancy funnels. And it was like, whoa, how am I going to do all this? And I was totally overwhelmed. And so I did what I would highly recommend not doing. And that's signing up for every (laughs) webinar on the planet for free. I was just going to say the amount of freebies that I had (sighs) in the first six months in my inbox, it was daunting that I never read. I'm not, yeah, right. I'm not saying in any capacity that those aren't good. Like I'm going to offer a freebie too. But if that's your only strategy, the problem is with those. And even from people who give tons of value, which a lot of them do, you're, they're never going to give you all the pieces that you Mm -hmm. need. Right. Because that's a freebie. So they want you to sign up for a program, which is totally fine. But I ended up hiring somebody, actually Ellen, who introduced us, um, to help me because she was like, way ahead of where I wanted to be. So I'm like, I just need someone to help guide me. And that saved me so much time and headache. It's hard. I think at that point to invest in yourself when you feel like, well, I'm not even really making any money. How am I going to spend money on myself? But that changed everything for me. Um, and I still, I invest in programs and whatever I can, when I can, um, Cause I was lost. It took me a long time to figure out how to do everything. It took me a long time to dis and a lot of it was my own mental issues, like getting out of my own way, because I, I also had like insecurity, like, why would someone listen to me? Why would somebody buy from me? Um, which is kind of ridiculous because that's the one thing we all have great things to offer. Um, I think it's just really hard. I think it's too, like you come out of from a corporate world, I was like, oh, you're not going to buy my cell phone. Okay, cool. Um, maybe we lose some sales, but I'm not like, I don't have a knife in my heart, but when I'm putting out my, oh, here's my course. And then nobody buys it. It's like, oh, they hate me. Like, I mean, I'm exaggerating, but it's, it's so much more personal. It feels like a personal rejection and we do everything in our power as humans to avoid that discomfort and pain. Right. So just putting yourself out there is super uncomfortable. So I think recognizing that you have to do that and not letting things like pretending you're a perfectionist, which I learned was me using that as an excuse to not do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really getting out of getting out of my own head, getting out of my own way and just starting to do things and being okay with not having everything perfect at the same time. Cause you're not going to launch. You can't look at like Amy Porterfield and say, Oh wow, look how great everything is. She's been doing this for years. Like she's amazing, but she has a big team. Like you can't compare yourself where you are. I can't even, if I compared myself to where I was four years ago, I'd be like, wow, look at everything you've done. (laughs) Yeah. I love how you talked about investing in yourself too. Cause especially when you're working in like a corporate setting or an agency setting and you're working for a, a larger organization, I feel like you don't view spending, first of all, I never spent my own money to invest in myself in a professional sense when I was in those settings, but I realized that my employers weren't either. They just expected you to know everything, but now having gone through the journey of taking courses and being in masterminds, it's amazing the amount of growth that can happen. And it's really changed my mindset on how I 
choose to invest my money because it is a long-term gain when you invest in yourself. But something I'd love to ask, and I know this isn't something we plan to focus on, but Danielle kind of alluded to it at the beginning is the fact that you've kind of walked part of this journey alongside your husband. I'd love to know, (laughs) and I ask this because my husband and I are very different. And I think Danielle, you would say the same about you and your husband. And I think it is a male female thing. Like some of these mental blocks that we have are very specific to women. I feel like my husband's not an entrepreneur, but he looks at me and he's like, well, why are you so insecure about that? Of course, people are going to buy from you. And I'm like, but no, you don't get it. And the more I talk to women, I feel like it is more common with them than it is with men. And I'd love to know if your journey was slightly different from your husband's as you guys built the business together. Yeah. I mean, I think he doesn't have that. I love, I don't know if you guys ever listened to Vivian K, but I love her. Um, she has a be like Chad, like essentially (laughs) I won't get into it, but it's really funny. Like this, um, overconfident guy. So like, he's not going to apologize for something and he's not going to walk in and be like, Oh, no, one's going to buy from me. He's going to be like, I'm amazing. And everybody's lucky if they can get my stuff. Right. So yeah, my husband's, he, my husband's a little bit more like that. Like he just never worries about that kind of thing. Um, and I don't know, we just, we started building our business kind of incrementally and adding clients. And I, I, I what I like about him, what, how he balances me out is I'm kind of a, I get really stressed about little things and he doesn't, he's just like super mellow. And so he kind of baseline and mellows me out where he's like, it's going to be fine. Like if this doesn't work out, it doesn't matter. Um, and I need that. Cause I get uh, very anxious, which made me a great employee. Like I was a great employee. It also made me like have a horrible personal life because I was stressed and yes. anxious. And I had a lot of personal issues because I internalized like all the pressure from my job and my life. So he helps kind of take that away. Cause he's like, it just, these things don't matter. Mm-hmm. Why are men so much better at that? I don't know. My husband's <laughs> the same way. Like he, I, the minute there's an, even an inkling, inkling of a potential problem, I start freaking out about it. And my husband's like, like nothing's even happened yet. Like we just wait to freak out until it happens. And then it never happens. And it's like, how do you guys stay so chill? Don't get it. And I saw this sign the other day. It was the, the clouds, um, the clouds of tomorrow are clouding the sunshine you have today. So it's like, don't think about that stuff because you're not enjoying it. Yeah. I don't even know if that's completely right, but I saw it on a sign, like driving around my town. I love that. Yeah. Uh, I, that I, that is spot on. I do that too. So I think worrying is just in our nature. Mm -hmm. Um, but you can, you can, get to a point where you can mentally like get through where you don't do that. Cause it's like, once you can start to train your brain that this is so unproductive, like nothing good comes of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally Easier agree. said than done. I still worry too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is there anything that you would tell yourself now, like looking back and having like gotten to the point where you are, where you are extremely successful in this space, having built not only the agency with your husband, but then your own spinoff focused on Pinterest that you wish you knew like five years ago, 10 years ago, that like, if moms are listening right now, and there's something that happened or didn't happen along your way that you were worrying about, like, what do you wish you knew a a long time ago? Um, I wish I was more confident. Um, I think I spent so much energy self-doubting myself 
that that created a lot of like wheel spinning mm-hmm. and that's not helping anybody that wasn't helping me. I mean, ultimately what I like to do is help other people. And I can't do that if I'm like wallowing in my, I'm not good enough, um, sympathy, which is really just protection, right? I'm protecting myself. So I would say, just go for it. Like, what do you have to lose? So mm-hmm. that would be what I would tell myself. Like, don't. And the other thing was the things that made me so successful in my corporate world. I just couldn't get, like we talked about, um, a little bit earlier, I could not get, I could not translate that into what I was doing now and thinking that, I mean, it's not like the value that I had as a person all of a sudden disappeared because I wasn't part of a corporation. Um, but I couldn't like connect those dots. And so I think being able to recognize that you have something really unique to offer and being confident about that is the biggest thing that I would have told myself. Mm-hmm. back then. Cause it really set me back a lot. Yeah. And when, you know, that's an interesting point about confidence. Cause I think confidence also comes into setting boundaries. And you talked about how in your corporate world, um, or in your corporate career, you were a really good employee, but you had a, a really, you know, lacking personal life because you were dedicating all of your energy and pouring it all into your job. So now that you're on your own and you're juggling really two jobs between the agency with your husband and then pajama marketer, do you feel like you've been able to successfully create boundaries so that you're both living the professional life you want, but also living the personal life you want? And if so, I'd love to know if you have any tips for that. And I, I admit, because I'm struggling with that right now of work, work, work. And I thought I was doing this because I'd have more time, but it's also, I'm enjoying what I'm doing. So um, I'm asking for myself and for all the other moms out there, if you have any tips that you found along the way. Yeah. I had to set some boundaries when you, especially when you work with your husband and then you go into quarantine and have two children that are home with you 24 hours a day, (sighs) it's all the blinds are so blurry. So we started to set up some boundaries. Um, one, we just trade time that we have with the kids. It sounds weird. And I recognize that that's a luxury. Um, but we have dedicated time that each of us have the kids or not have the kids, but are in charge of the kids. So the other one can focus on work. And those are like our set hours. So people don't feel like, Oh, you have the kids all the time, or I don't get to work. And so we had dedicated kind of set hours. And then, um, we always have dinner together as a family. We don't talk about work. Um, I could definitely get better about not talking about work, like outside of work time, but we kind of, that's still getting massaged. Um, And I think for boundaries, one of them is I will just tell clients, like if I have a client who's texting or something like starts to be too much, be like, Hey, um, if you, if it's not really an emergency, because if I get a text, I feel like it's an emergency. Um, please send me an email. Cause I was getting texts like all weekend. I'm like, no. Um, so I think setting boundaries about communication, um, cause I like to work in time blocks and turn off all notifications. So if someone's texting me all the time, it kind of is like distracting me. Um, and then, yeah, I think f- helping focus the other big, big thing for boundaries that, that I learned, this is new this year is that what you say, um, no to is just as important as what you say yes to. Mm-hmm. And so just starting to, and I think sometimes like as a mom or a woman, like if someone asks me to do something, I'm like, okay, I'll figure it out. 
Um, like I was asked to be president of an organization. I did it, but it was like massively, massively draining. It took a lot from my business. It took a lot from my family. Um, so in hindsight, I'm like, um, those kind of things as they come up. Yes. Would I like to do it? Yes. Does it make the most sense at, at this stage in my life? Probably no. So this year I've been really strict about what I say yes to. And even though I get asked to do things, which is always nice, like, oh, thank you for asking me. I'm saying no a lot. Like I have very firm buckets. And if it doesn't fit in one of those three, it's out. Like I'm not going to do it. So mm -hmm. I have like very set boundaries in terms of what I will say more like commit to if it's a big commitment, like taking on a presidency or something like that or volunteering. Um, I do some charity work and volunteering, but not like, I mean, they'll ask you to be on, I mean, every board will want people and you know, they, mm -hmm. there's a lot of stuff out there to do. Um, so you just have to be able to be like, okay, with saying no, you don't have to say yes to anybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's great advice. So actually a business mentor that I work with, um, always reminds me, you know, you don't, you can do it, but maybe you don't do it right now. Maybe in six months, it's a better time or maybe in a year, but think about what's your priority right now. And you can say no, but no, but I'll come back to it in a year or no, but I will, you know, not right now, but I'll put it to the side. And that gives me a little bit of comfort. Cause I'm like, you, I, I want to be able to do it all, but then I end up presenting it all because I tried to do it all. And it's just not humanly possible. Um, something interesting that you said too, was, and I, and I'd love to know if you have specific, resources that you've leveraged to grow specifically within the Pinterest space for people who are listening, just because I do think it is such a unique specialty, but, um, I don't know if you found this, you mentioned that you think that you could do a better job, not talking about work as much with your husband. And what's interesting is I find myself doing that and all, I have no one else to run like proposals or strategies by, um, and I'll get done with it. And I think it's in a really good space. And then I'll ask my husband to review it. And he's like, I work on educational technology. I know nothing about marketing <laughs> and strategy. And I was like, but can you just like be an extra set of eyes on it? And I've had to really break that habit of having someone look over my work because in previous roles, I mean, you have, you know, however many layers of the ladder that it's something needs to go through and be approved by. So by the time it goes to a client or by the time it goes to market, you're not the only person that's responsible for it. And being an entrepreneur, you are wholly responsible for everything. So aside from your husband, have you built kind of a network or, um, a group of people that you can collaborate with and learn from, um, both to continue to build that confidence and also just learn new ways of doing things? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like instead of a uh, ladder, we're like a step stool now, right? You got yes. with you and then one step and that's it. Um, I do. So I'm a member of a, like a professional, the cubicle to CEO group, which is mm -hmm. um, run by my friend, Ellen, and that's for female entrepreneurs. Um, and that's a place where I bounce off a lot of ideas in that group. Um, especially from, even from technical to client issues, um, and then in terms of Pinterest, since I have a Pinterest course, I one do a lot of research and testing on my own. And then I have a couple Pinterest experts, um, also who, if there's something I, where I'm getting just tons of conflicting information, because it's really weird. There's some Pinterest experts that say things that are completely contradictory to what other people say, or even what Pinterest says, and you're like, what? And so I have a few, um, Pinterest experts who I really trust, and I will bounce ideas off of them. Um, I have other people who are some who are just Pinterest managers. 
um, professionally, I'll talk to them. So I love, I love building the network of people who have similar interests, um, and kind of learning from them. But yeah, I am in a business kind of mastermind with, um, a bunch of women who are also building, um, something on their own. So that's been a great resource for me too. Mm -hmm. Great. Yeah. And that's how I met Lisa because yeah. that same group. Oh, it is. I didn't realize that was the same group. I knew it was both through Ellen, but I didn't realize it. Okay. Awesome. Cool. And Ellen's like, you guys need to meet. I said, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Because both of us had the experience and I'm still in it of being in corporate America and having the golden handcuffs as they call them, where you've got a great salary and great benefits and the 401k and the, all the other things that are supposedly keeping me at my job. And, um, and it's hard to, it's hard to make that leap and say, okay, I'm betting on myself. Um, which, which, and Lisa and I really connected because we had a call and, you know, she said to me, what's preventing you from talking about your offers? Like, why aren't you talking about them? And I was like, I don't know. I just feel so stuck. And that really resonated with her and, 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 um, the way she felt in the beginning, which we talked about a little bit, but, um, I think, I think that is such a big difference between corporate America and being an entrepreneur, the sense that like, you can do things wrong. Like you should do things wrong and, and make mistakes. And we talked, we, Courtney and I talked about failure on a separate episode, but it's not failure. Like it's, if you were to fail in your corporate job, you'd be worried about firing or what your boss might think and all of that. And in this, in an entrepreneurship, you need to be trying things all the time and seeing what works and what doesn't work um, so that you can move forward and grow your business, which is just so unlike the corporate environment. Mm-hmm. It also feels really personal. So it's, yeah. um, it's just, it's so much harder than to put yourself out there. And we don't like to fail as people. Like I was learning how to golf this year. So this was the other thing I did this year. I was like, I, things that I've been so scared. Cause I I told my husband, like, I hate to look bad and I hate to be bad at things. And so entrepreneurship was definitely a rocky road for me in the beginning, but this year I was like, I'm going to learn how to golf, even though I'm embarrassed that I'm going to be terrible. And it hasn't been that bad. Like, did I die? No. Um, did people laugh at me? No. Um, so all these things we have in our head about how, what things are going to happen are mostly wrong. Like we make the worst case scenario in our head and then we retreat. Cause that's our natural instinct. That's like, Ooh, I don't want to golf. People are going to make fun of me or everybody's going to laugh. They're going to be like, what's she doing on the course that never happened. So think about whatever you're making out as your worst case scenario is so unlikely. And it's really sad to think about like, Oh, I never would have learned how to golf with my husband. If I let that hold me back and how many things in our lives how many times in our lives do we do that? Probably all the time. And people don't, people don't care about you as much as you do. That's so true. Like you're picking up on everything and other people are like that, that has actually been eye-opening to me on social media. Like I'll be like, I haven't been on stories enough. I haven't been posting. Oh my gosh, that was horrible. And then some people will message me and be like, that was amazing. And I was like, are we talking about the same thing? 
<laughs> what? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay. I'm just going to go with it. But funny that you mentioned the golfing. My husband's actually out golfing now. And I also learned to golf with him. And I think it's a lot of fun, but I'm horrible. And it can be a very intimidating sport, especially because it's male dominated. And sometimes we're paired with other um, people when we go golfing, not obviously in the last year and a half, we haven't necessarily gotten out to go, but um, before that, and I did notice it was stopping me from doing that. And then to your point, it's like, what's the worst that can happen? And one of the reasons I think that that's an interesting insight is since becoming an entrepreneur and building a business, I've noticed I've had to face a lot of fears and I'm now noticing I have a three and a half year old and a five month old, both boys in my three and a half year old. Um, I noticed about six months ago, he started saying, I'm not good at it. You do it. So like we'd be playing something and he would only have me or my husband do it. Cause he didn't want to try it and fail. And I thought, oh my goodness, like not only am I teaching him as a mom, but I'm teaching him in my professional life too, of like what you can and cannot do in that. Like, it's okay to try something. And then maybe it doesn't work out the way you planned and pick yourself back up. And so I think that's really poignant point that you made. And that's relevant to our audience because we're not only building a business and providing a life for our family, but we're also showing our kids what's possible. And I think that that's like been a huge mental shift for me and makes me so excited for this opportunity too, because they only saw a really tired, stressed out mommy before when I was working for someone else. And now they see still a tired mommy because I have a five month old, <laughs> but a very passionate and determined mommy. Um, and so I think that, you know, what you just shared really resonates, um, in terms of also being a role model for other people, whether it's other moms out there or your kids or people around you. Yeah, I love that. Only took me 40 years to figure it out, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I can't care anymore. I can't I care as much that's anymore. How I, that's how I've gotten, especially with social media. It's funny. And, and I mentioned it on a different episode, but there's, it, there's even like specific people I think about who might see something that I post and I'm like, oh, where are they going to think? Which is so dumb. First of all, like the algorithm might not be serving it to them. Second of all, if they are judging me, then like that's their bad and who cares? And third of all, they probably don't care at all because they have their own insecurities. So like, what are we doing? But yeah, it's taken a long time uh, to figure, figure I think that if out. you're not turning someone off, you're probably not being yourself. Um, yeah. And so if you're like playing so safe that you're like vanilla, then everybody's maybe you're not going to offend anyone, but people aren't going to like be super gravitated towards you either because mm -hmm. it's like, eh. I was taught those that in packaging. Like we would do a package that like maybe 20% of people like, Oh, I hate it. And 80% were like, I love it. And you want that. Like you want a visceral reaction. I'm not saying you want like a bunch of people to hate you, but I'm just saying like, it's so much better to have something like if you did this really boring package and everybody's like, it's okay. But like having that 20% that hate it and the 80% that love it, 80, I'll take 80% of people that love it, but that's much better than block. So mm -hmm. just being a little bit more of yourself and you're going to turn people off, but those aren't the people that you really want anyway. Like it's a great way to sift through the people who are like part of your tribe and those who aren't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. Um, and I think it's kind of interesting too, because as we were talking about Pinterest, like I think of, even though Pinterest is underutilized, I feel like by small businesses, I also feel like it's a really great social media channel to get into, especially if you're not quite ready to 
you know, show your face in all the other channels, you still have value to add and you can share some type of information or how to or product, and you can do it in a more curated way that allows you to plan ahead and kind of dip your toe in before you jump in. Obviously, I personally think that a surround sound approach or omni-channel approach is the best, but if you're just getting started, I feel like starting with Pinterest is, um, maybe a little bit less intimidating because you can plan and curate that a little bit more. So, yeah, absolutely. And you also don't have, they don't, there are people, because it's much, it's really not social media. People aren't expecting you personally. It's not like on Instagram where it needs to be you showing up. You need to show your face. You need to talk. You need to show your personality, but Pinterest, although that's changing, they just launched idea pins yesterday, which is like the new iteration of story pins, which has more of a reels TikTok vibe. Um, so they're definitely leaning into that space, but what you're used to is the more curated feed of delivering quality content to people who are looking for it. And so that it's easy, especially if you're feeling a little more introverted, um, that's an easier way to put yourself out there. I think in a way that feels less vulnerable. Well, I didn't even know they came out with a new feature. Um, well, it was yesterday. Something new so you're, every day. <laughs> you're not behind. It ha- seriously happened yesterday. <laughs> I only know because I saw it on your Instagram, Lisa. <laughs> well, I better know if I didn't know that'd be bad, but yeah. And I was like, oh, geez, another thing. Um, I thought, oh, I have to go. I better go update my course. (laughs) I need to tackle Pinterest, but I, I'm not, I just can't add that on right now. So, but as soon as I do, I'm going to take your course because I need to learn Pinterest. Well, I always tell people, even if they are thinking about buying my course, I'm like, okay, I always, I, this is what I just tell people as a marketer in general don't build like five bridges that don't go anywhere, build one, like get one, get things going, get things moving or like your, your course, right. Um, get all of that, like locked and loaded and get across the bridge and then build another one. I tell people definitely, I mean, of course, would I like to sell more courses? Sure. But I want to, I most primarily want it to be a value. And if people can't execute on it, it's not going to be super valuable to them. So that's where I say like, just hold and wait and well, you can come back to it just like we talked about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, this has been so fun to chat with you and just hear all of your experiences. I feel like there's so much like good little, there's so many little good nuggets in there. And just, I love the fact that you've got these different ventures, right? Like you've got the one with your husband, um, which is focused on local businesses. You've got your own thing. That's your passion. Your husband has his own thing. That's his passion. And I love how you've just built it all together so that it's your, it's your gig. It's your full-time job. It's how you make a living. I think that's what our listeners are striving for to find a different, a different path and be happier and healthier and, um, and find work that's, that's lighting them up versus depleting them every day. Um, so our last question is what does, uh, what does finding a better way mean to you? I think finding a better way means building on what you were just talking about. So how can you kind of come into what purpose you feel is most meaningful for you? So for me, I love kind of connecting with and helping people. That's what makes me really happy. Um, 
And I think when it comes to things that hold you back and everything will, things will always hold you back. That's our nature. Um, remembering that you, every single one of you that is listening, um, has so much value. So, and the interesting thing is like, remember you are super unique. So whatever, I think it's really easy to think about imposter syndrome and be like, Oh, well, their course is better than mine or this course. And Ellen and I were talking about this too. She's like, and I said, we each have something completely unique to offer. So if Danielle's teaching a course, that's different than mine. And somebody's going to get something more out of her course. Let's say we're teaching exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. Somebody's going to get something out of your course. Courtney's going to teach a course. Somebody's going to get something out of Courtney's course that she wouldn't get out of Danielle and my courses because we each are unique. We each have a completely different set of experiences. So don't ever devalue what you have to offer because it's completely unique and you come from a special background. Um, as moms, we do so many different things. Don't ever undervalue what you have to offer. So that would be, uh, cause you can't help anybody if you're hiding in the background and you're not out there you can't help anybody. And I think naturally that's what we ultimately want to do. That's such a good perspective. And I agree with all of that. (laughs) Um, so Lisa, you mentioned that you do have a course. Um, if folks are listening and I actually want to check out that course, I'm like a course junkie and I love taking, um, educational opportunities on different channels about just so I can learn from my own clients and kind of point them in the right direction for them to then hop off on. But if people want to check out your course or connect with you or find out more, where can they go to do that? And we'll be sure to include it in the show notes now uh, too. But if you want to share now, that would be great. Yeah. The best way. So I hang out the most, obviously I'm on Pinterest at pajama marketer, but that's not particularly social. So you're going to find me most likely on Instagram um, at pajama marketer and pretty clean across the board, or I have a website at pajamamarketer.com. Um, I love connecting with people. Um, so you can find, you can always find me on Instagram. I'm active there every day. Um, and yeah, I would love to connect with anybody. I I'm a open connector. I think that's what makes the world go round. I love meeting new people. I think you can learn from everybody. Um, so I would be happy to connect with anybody. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. And for folks that are listening, definitely go check Lisa out. I do think um, from my perspective, at least that Pinterest is definitely um, a hidden gem that people can take advantage of. And now we know who our go-to is for that. Lisa, the pajama marketer. (laughs) Um, So we really appreciate your time today and for joining us on A Better Way. Um, And we look forward to connecting with all you listeners on the next episode. Hi there, quick update. For anyone interested in purchasing Lisa's Pinning for Business course, which I highly recommend, I have it and it's fabulous, Lisa was gracious enough to extend a special discount code to our listeners. Simply use a better way upon checkout. For a link on how to access that course, head to the show notes. Thanks for listening to today's episode. For more information from today's chat, including how to reach us, head on over to the show notes. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the exciting episodes to come. And please, if you liked what you heard, be sure to leave a rating and review. It's how we can help other busy moms find their better way. Until next time, mom friends.